0: Five, heading into their Week 12 matchup against the Green Bay Packers. They won their bye week, quote-unquote, by seeing every NFC North team lose in Week 11. And now they have their backs against the wall and almost need to win out to make the playoffs. David, how did we get here? The first quarter of the season was so promising. The Bears went 3-1, and one, beating the Lions, Giants, and Falcons, and losing only to a very good Colts team. And thrilling victories in that first quarter of the season going to have a middling second quarter of the season that saw thrilling wins over the Bucs and the Panthers, but devastating losses against the Rams and the Saints. What's been going on in these last three games, and how can the Bears fix it so that they can win against the Packers on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I mean, teams are definitely keying on their main offensive guys, being their big playmakers like Darnell Mooney and Graham, among other guys. And they know that they're one-dimensional with pass-first offense. So uh, the Bears started off this season really well, as you stated. Um, They were five and uh, one, I believe, before things started to change. You know, their competition initially at the beginning of the season was pretty soft. Uh, the Lions are kind of have been historically bottom dwellers in the NFC North. Giants are coming off consecutive four seasons. The Falcons are nearing a, the end of an era and a soon to be rebuild. The Bears' only true great victory was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now they're sputtering. So, I mean, their defense is keeping them in games. The biggest thing is they need to produce an offense. I think the Bears right now are 31st and rushing with the loss of their starting running back of Dave Montgomery, who received a concussion about two weeks ago. He is scheduled to be back, but the biggest thing is offensive production, a lack of consistency. So here we are. Uh, The Bears won the bye week. (laughs) They sit at five and five, only one game back behind the Arizona Cardinals in the wild card race in the expanded uh, NFL playoff system this year. And they're they're still in it. And uh, if they beat the Packers, they'll definitely get some confidence in this upcoming weekend.
0: When you talk about an inconsistent team, what that means is that there is potential for them to still make the playoffs. They could we see it every year, where teams turn it on midway through the season, or specifically after the, their bye week, and they, the, the team, they get hot and they roll into the playoffs. And we've even seen in the past, you know, maybe the even the New York Giants way back got hot and they go into the playoffs and just annihilate teams and end up beating the best team in, potentially in the history of uh, NFL football in the two thousand seven. Patriots, right? And so we see that every year. Or you even see Joe Flacco got hot and won the Super Bowl, became a Super Bowl MVP. So there is potential there. But I mean, when you look back at the schedule, like we we sort of recap, there is just such a high high after that Bucks game to then just get such such a low. The Bears just lived in a valley for the past maybe three three and a half weeks, right? I mean, like that Rams game, the Bears looked awful. Yeah. But you say, Oh, well, they've never gone they've never matched up against the Rams well in the past. You could you could almost excuse it. But then when you lose against the Saints in overtime, it's almost like that was the turning point in the season for a lot of people and the narrative of what this Bears team is. So it's like they do have that potential to be great, but the problem is that their their track record over the past month, you just can't see it happening. What Matt Nagy always talks about is like belief mm-hmm. and trust And what you just can't see that happening right now, especially when you even talk about, like, they're using, like, one real running back, and he's got a concussion. And so even this week, they're going into the week, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I hope that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback. I, hope, I think he's got a lot of fight in him to come back and prove people wrong. And I think he deserves that chance, especially how the Bears have treated him over the past three years. Because lest we forget, his first season, everybody kind of heralded him as the savior of this franchise. Right.
1: Kind of a, a la Joey Harrington of the Detroit Lions.
0: People were begging, just start Mitch. Just start him. Mm-hmm. And so just to see that narrative get completely flipped, only to be flipped again in the past month. I think it's just setting the stage for what could be an epic comeback. I don't think you're going to see how the Bears looked over the past month. You're not going to see a change. You need a catalyzing factor, and I hope they put Trubisky out there. And there, there's something else we have to talk about. Last week we talked about Bill Lazer calling the plays and the differences in how the Bears – Coaching staff addressed the past month, and we discussed potentially Chuck Pagano taking over. And yeah, that we may see that if the Bears lose against the Packers in a devastating fashion, if they lose like 35 to 3, you might see Chuck Pagano take take the reins in, in Hal's Hall.
1: You think uh, in the middle of the season? I think so. Really?
0: Why wait? Why wait? Why, like, what is your If you're going to lose in that devastating fashion and you're on that long of a losing streak, I don't see the point in delaying change. Like, I think that that's something where a lot of people think this is really common for a lot of sports fans where like, you know, you grow up playing high school sports and, you know, high school sports are so much about the individual players because it's like, you know, maybe it's like your kid or maybe you were somebody's kid and you're playing out there and it all meant something because it's part of your individual experience. What you lose sight of is that it's part of a longer narrative, you know, like in college or high school, you don't have institutional memory. And so I think that these kind of like chronological benchmarks are kind of artificial from the fans or the media. But, you know, if you're in a company and you're waiting to report your Q4 earnings and they're not good, why wait until you report them to fire the person? You know, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense, right? Because essentially what we're going in is we're mid Q3 right now. And right now, Q2 and Q3 have not been great. And so why wait until after? quarter four to then make changes. So I, I think that that's potential. But what I want to get back to is that there were people in the media, I think Eric Lambert may have reported this and take this with a grain of salt, but people were speculating that, and I think this was even in Bears Wire, which I think is a USA Today publication. They were speculating that Matt Nagy intentionally gave up play calling to prove that it was the structure of the roster And I just think that is really concerning because what you are seeing is an incoherent strategy to win football games. Do you think that if the Bears were to hire somebody like a Josh McDaniels to come in to Chicago as not only the head coach, but as the general manager and have a coherent strategy for building a team that can win football games, would that be an improvement or would you rather have them get maybe keep pace and get a new coach that's more simpatico with Ryan Pace's view on football? Which do you think gets the most wins next
1: season? I think neither, actually. And I say that in the sense that the Bears have been bad for a really long time, unfortunately, of late. Uh, They have not been consistent, and the Bears are trying to build continuity. And thinking about building a program, you start with the culture, and then you work your way out kind of thing, almost like a house. You build the foundation, and you go all the way up. The Bears obviously have some personnel issues, and they need to address. I don't think that the sample size right now is big enough to fire either Pace or Nagy. And I say that in the sense that their record and their partnership, uh, they're above 500. You know, you look at it, they've had two 500 seasons and then a 12-4 and four season. How are they going to – I don't think those are grounds for firing. I think if they have another mediocre near, year next year, uh, yes, I do think one of them will be gone. I also think they need to – this is the first year of late um, that they'll have a first-round draft pick, and they really can't mess this up. They need to do well, do good by it. And I know Pace is aggressive with moving up in the draft, and they might need to either – get a high, like a top two or three lineman, or just go for it with a quarterback and then develop, develop the quarterback with Foles who's still under contract and cut Trubisky?
0: Uh, I hesitate to agree with the idea that drafting another quarterback is the answer, only because of this. I wish they had taken the path that Arizona had taken, where they found out that Trubisky wasn't this, like, incredible player I wish they had almost said, forget that. Let's get one of the many great quarterbacks that came the year after Trubisky, right? We had, like, three or four really quality quarterbacks that are in the league right now right after Trubisky, and they basically
1: said, um, you know, sorry, was it Josh Rosen, Mm -hmm. I think? They
0: said, sorry, you're not our guy, and they got Kyler Murray, right? I almost wish they had gone with that and been like, hey, sorry, Mitch. Like, I mean, look at Mahomes, look at – Deshaun Watson they're like way better you're not our guy I almost Mm -hmm. wish they had done that immediately but then like with hindsight because they didn't take that strategy to say that now they're gonna like restart with the current people on staff to me I just I don't see it happening you can draft linemen all you want but like you can get a quality lineman in the second and third round, if you know what you're looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you have decent scouts, like there are a lot of quality linemen. And, and even if you trade it down, you could rebuild an entire O-line in the second and third round with that first round pick. So I know a lot of people hate that pace, trades away his picks for players on rosters, but you almost wish that maybe he trades down for picks this year.
1: Well, what's interesting, and that this brings up an interesting point, and I would love to hear your opinion about this, Drew, do you believe it's fiscally responsible to just draft unproven players who will cost less than a veteran free agent? Or are you of the mindset, sign a veteran free agent that's proven? Because it's like boom or bust. Well, I think it, when you're talking
0: about, like, cost and, like, where you're going to allocate your resources, I think that it's more it's more beneficial to look at cost per position group than it is to look at cost per per where the player is in their career, in my opinion. And so, like, if you're spending, you know, like, tens of millions on your linebackers, and then you're only spending, like, a fraction of that. For example, this isn't necessarily the case, but you're spending a fraction of that on your O-line. Like, that, that to me is a not sound structure, right? But if you're going to talk about, like, designing a strategy about, like, Oh, let's just build the team in free agency or build it in the draft. Like, I don't think that those are mutually exclusive because I think what it comes down to is figuring out how to allocate your resources so that you develop a very balanced structure of the roster to where you're not overpaying for one position group. So, like, if you that's where they work in tandem, where you have to go into the draft with a a good knowledge of the market and this is something where I think a lot of people maybe this goes over their head But like you have to understand and you need to be thinking a year Maybe two or three years ahead of time when you're assessing the contracts that are out there What the free agency markets gonna look like and what your needs are so if you're look if you're the Bears Like this is all an example, right? If You're the Bears and let's say that all of your linebackers are gonna almost all of them are gonna come to a contract here next year Well, you know, you need to be looking at other teams. You need to be looking at the college game and assess how can you build a linebacker's room between other team free agents that maybe you can pick off one or two cheaper ones. Maybe you sign one of your linebackers and then you fill out the rest of the linebacker room with maybe a fifth or sixth rounder, maybe Mm -hmm. both. Like that is the type of strategy you need to take. And so that's why I don't really think that's mutually exclusive to say, hey, let's just go sign a defense like we saw Seattle did with the lead in a boom, right? Because mm-hmm. that doesn't develop a sound long-term strategy in the in what we want, right? We want to have a dynasty in Chicago. That's what we want. And right now I think what we're seeing is that that strategy, I don't think it really exists on this Bears team because people will say, oh, Ryan Pace knows how to build a defense. Is it that or is it that he is making strategic decisions at the cost of other position groups? He's, he's not taking away. Oh, that's a
1: or, piping but, hot take. But, you know, have, perhaps this is the problem. Perhaps he's not looking at the game
0: with a holistic approach. You know, like maybe he has a bit of tunnel vision and doesn't really understand how to assess the markets long-term.
1: I mean, it's pretty hard to argue against that when you look at the Khalil Mack trade. I mean, I was
0: talking with friends this week, you know, the Raiders, man, they look good, right? And Mm -hmm. you wonder, man, if they had gotten, if the Bears had, those three picks they still would have a great defense even without Khalil Mack and if you take away that 12 and 4 season yes Khalil Mack is a game changer he's an impact player I love having him on the Bears but you just wonder you know there's always a um, opportunity cost of football right and so like by getting that one player, you didn't lose a lot. And when you look at the Raiders today, you see a much more balanced team. And when you look at the Bears, you see an imbalanced team. And football is all about balance. Every defense, every offense is about trying to figure out where you can leverage the other team by getting them to be unbalanced, whether it's in coverage, whether it's in run fits, whether it's in um, just route trees. Like, that is what football at its core is about. And so that's why I kind of bring this up is that, you know, if you're going to put the blame on Pace, what I think it is, is not that he's bad at his job, it's that he's not quite the strategic thinker that we want in a general manager, which is why I think that, like, it begs the question. If you had someone from, people might call it the Belichick tree today, but really what it is is the Bill Parcellus tree, and that philosophy says, you know, have everything under one umbrella. Have one person making these strategic decisions to have it be coherent. Because right now, it's like, I mean, a lot of people want to say it's either Nagy or it's Pace. You're kind of saying that it might be both, I, I feel like. And, I mean, like, the question is, even if it's one or the other or it's both, what you have to do is you have to get down to the core of the problem. Because whoever you get next is either going to make the same mistakes or you're going to fix them. So we need to not talk about not only who's accountable, but how they are accountable. I don't know if you have a different take on that whole idea of like resource allocation, but I mean, like it, it it's getting frustrating as a fan, as someone who loves football to watch this team built in a way where you love the players that are great and you really, it, it's excruciating to see the players who just aren't performing at their best.
1: But I think the bears are very conservative in their approach and I and especially with front office decisions and I don't think any decisions will be made until after the season's over because um, if they do choose to move on they want to get the front office in order just in case because the draft is usually in April and they want to have people ready to scout and get after it. I mean if the bear I, with the expanded playoff version um, this year the bears have an opportunity to sneak their way in. Uh, that would be great. Um, I don't think they're going to go very far, to be honest. But at least they're patent stats, so to speak.
0: If they are conservative, and the front office wants to get in order, doesn't it make more sense to make the move earlier so that you're you can start on a trajectory to set up for success next season? They were conservative at the trade
1: deadline, and that move kind of indicated that they were looking to the future, right? Right. I do think. Um, They could be definitely looking to the future. I think – but the Bears are still in it, to be honest. For as poorly as they played of late, they're not out of playoff contention. So I think until they're out of playoff contention, I think they could go with what you're suggesting and saying, either letting go of Pace or um, Nagy and then transitioning into the new front office person. Well, okay, let's talk about that because the Bears are in the hunt very much so. Yeah, You preface you that already, talking about
0: if they do beat the Packers. You know, the Bears have gone through many make-or-break weeks this season, and somehow, by sheer luck, despite their own performance, they managed to stay in this playoff race. <laughs> and, you know, but here's the thing. You kind of expected the Packers to lose to the Colts. Like, if I was looking at the Packers schedule this past uh, week, That was one you were kind of counting on, like you hope the Colts can pick them off. So, and and that really helps out because with the tiebreakers, it will go to common games at a certain extent. So right now, the Packers will not hold that extra common game win where they to win against the Colts over the Bears. So we caught a break there, and so you kind, but you kind of expected that. Now, what's really interesting, I think, is that. Everybody's kind of eyeing these teams like the, you know, like the Cardinals, right? They look like they're a lot closer because the Bears are a game back. However, the schedule for the Cardinals—I mean, like all these NFC West teams—part of the reason they're playing so well is because they're playing the NFC East.
1: Yeah, and they're about <laughs> to beat up on each other soon because of all these interdivisional games
0: yeah so the Seahawks win over the Cardinals pretty much sealed it the Seahawks I mean it's their division to lose at this point because they play almost the entirety of the NFC East and then they play the Jets and then they have their divisional games they have half their divisional schedule so it's kind of like you kind of can see the Seahawks it's their division to lose now the Rams beating the Bucks last we're recording on Tuesday so this is last night right Mm-hmm. That is just going to be really interesting, because if the Bucks manage to just, like, swindle this opportunity that they had with their seven wins that they've earned thus far, and then, I mean, out of four games against the Vikings, the Falcons, the Lions, and then the Falcons again. So you got to play the Falcons twice in three weeks. Man, I, I think this might shape up to where – I mean, I, I've long kind of said this is going to be a race with the NFC South for the NFC North and the NFC South to get that last playoff spot. But the Bears holding that tiebreaker and that head-to-head matchup could be what propels them in the playoffs. And, I mean, like you said, they probably won't last long in the playoffs because then they'll end up playing like the Seahawks or the Saints – So it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy route, but that win and people will point to Tom Brady holding up the four at the end of the game Mm -hmm. could be how the bears make the playoffs. So it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if you think that the bears will, will be more likely to edge out the Cardinals, but what's going to be concerning is if here's the other thing that's concerning. If the bucks don't have at least, two more losses if they don't fall to 10 and six and the bears don't manage to get there and the bears do manage to get to 10 and six then you're kind of eyeing the Rams. the Rams, we don't have the tiebreaker with the Rams because of that has a head loss mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like where all of this is coming it's kind of like working out and you know that loss to the vikings hurts but it, i mean you just they just made it harder on themselves they're gonna have to beat the vikings at minnesota and um the one last thing I'll add to this kind of playoff picture is that the Bears don't have an easy schedule. I mean, the te- the Texans looked really good against the Pats this week. Uh, the Lions are a better team than they were in week one, and they still almost beat the Bears. The Jags are not the easiest team to beat. I mean, this week they didn't look as good as they did two weeks ago, but they're, they're – I mean, it's the NFL. Every team's good, but these are not teams where you're like, oh, it's the Jets. You know, it's not like we're playing the Jets, and I mean – Arguably, even the Jets—I mean—have played some good games, but which I don't get. But um, do you think that's pretty accurate for the Bears?
1: I do think it's pretty accurate. I mean, the NFC West is really competitive. Um, so obviously, as you said, we don't have the tiebreaker with the Rams because we lost them on Monday night. That was arguably the Bears' worst loss of the season. And then you've got the uh, Seahawks, who are led by the amazing R- Russell Wilson. And then uh, the Cardinals, uh, I think they're pretty darn good. The Bears, if they can win out, I think the Cardinals and the NFC West is going to beat up on each other. Um, So that might be our end if uh, we're able to – because I think the South, I don't know what it is, but New Orleans and Tampa, I think we're both going to sneak in. I don't know. Yeah, and and
0: you kind of need the Seahawks to take control because that will help the Bears out. If, if they end up beating up on each other and, like, the Cardinals pick off a game um, against the Rams, but the, then the Rams pick off the game against the uh, – like, that would be unfortunate. You hope that doesn't happen. You kind of hope the Seahawks command the division and then, you know, maybe these NFC East teams turn it on. I mean, the Giants are looking a lot better. They could win the division, which is crazy to say. But, yeah. you know, they, they could help out the Bears. Um, but But here's my question. Would you rather be the Bears at 5-5 five and five with the, in the current state that we've covered, or would you rather be any of the NFC's teams have a chance at the playoffs?
1: Oh, that's tough. Mediocrity or being the worst, the best of the worst? Oh, I mean, the Bear, I can't argue with uh, the Bears' record. I mean, it is what it is. They do have a nice quality win over the Buccaneers, so – you know, I'd go with the Bears. Um, they're, they're at least being competitive, even though it doesn't always—it has not looked pretty all year.
0: <laughs> I go back and forth on this because a lot of what I like about the Bears, you can get in some of these NFC teams. Like you know, the Eagles have some really great players on their defense, and that's what I like about the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and same goes for the Cowboys. I mean, like the Cowboys have some amazing players on their defense. Cowboys and- have underachieved
1: for the last two to three years, and they have an amazing roster.
0: Yeah, so with a fan perspective, you know, like, what I like about the Bears right now is this, like, dominance. It's kind of like this just approach that they have of, like, you're going to have to earn everything you get against us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the only time where I, I kind of question whether that was true was, I think it was, like, it, it was, I think it was that Colts game where they, that touchdown it was like a crossing route and it just felt like, it felt like the DBs kind of like let them walk in instead of making them earn that last two yards. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Other than that, I feel like the entire season, our defense has made them earn everything,
1: right? Yeah. The defense has shown a lot of heart and they play, they play the whole game. The defense, surprisingly, it's amazing how, at least publicly, the locker room still intact because the defense could easily start something with the offense for not producing.
0: Yeah, I, I'll agree with you. I, I'd rather be the Bears, I guess, um, even though there are some great players in the NFC East. And I, like I said kind of before, the Giants are piquing my interest. Like, they're an interesting team to watch. They have a dynamic quarterback, those runs that yeah. he – Yeah, Daniel Jones he, is
1: not that bad.
0: I, man, I was hoping that the Giants would tank. And that Daniel Jones would kind of be on the market, this offseason, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, like, some of his throws are very accurate. Throws it's just a nice they're, ball. They're, there's kind of like a disconnect between him and his receivers. And that comes with youth, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, we got to talk about this Packers game.
1: Okay. Pretty wild, huh? Rodrigo <laughs> Blankenship with the uh, game-winning field goal. Good defense versus good offense. It's a good game.
0: Is that what we're going to see on Sunday night? Are we going to see Santos win it in overtime for the Bears because the Bears defense shut down the Packers offense?
1: Well, I certainly hope so. That'd be awesome. It's again, good defense versus good offense. Um, I'm a diehard Bears fan, but I'll tell you my favorite player to watch the NFL is Rodgers. He's amazing. That offense to the Packers is really, really good. Like, amazing it's
0: Devontae adams is dominating right now yeah. and, and it's to a point where like he's catching balls that he shouldn't be catching <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: which it, 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 man like if the bears had the defense they had three like two or three years ago despite Tashawn gibson and like eddie jackson and um Kyle fuller still holding down and jalen johnson kind of holding down the secondary and yeah, you know, we talked about Buster's game is good. Losing Amos and um
1: Amos Callahan, hurts. I've always liked Amos.
0: And, and, and Callahan, too. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that was truly like a secondary that could shut down teams. You know, I, that, that was a secondary where I felt like you could be confident, like, oh, well, they're not going to pass on us. But this Bears defense isn't quite at that level. I, I feel like in terms of the pass defense, they're kind of a more balanced defense defense in my opinion Mm -hmm. so oh man dude I don't know and we gotta mention I know Eddie Jackson I think this was yesterday was put on the COVID list
1: oh he was
0: yeah and so that's something where this entire season has kind of been fraught with inconsistency and play because I think a lot of people are kind of glossing over the fact that This global pandemic is impacting the way that teams prepare during the week. And I think a long-time kind of ethic in the NFL, or even football in general, is games aren't won on Sunday. They're won during the week. And so you can't deny that these type of hiccups in the process impact the games. It's something that's changing the game right now. So that's a question. And then there is the Bears offense. We don't know what we're going to get. And this Packers defense I think a lot of people have kind of been like hating them for being softer on the run this year, but man, I I don't know. I mean, there's there's still a stout defense. I think like since the departure of um, Martinez, a couple was it a couple years ago or this year, Hmm. they haven't looked the same filling from the linebackers. But you can't deny that their defense is sound, and against the Bears, they've proven to really perform at a high level. So okay.
1: What's your score prediction, Drew? Bears are coming off a bye. What do you got?
0: I mean, this season it's really hard to say with um, the inconsistency uh, because of um, practices and and so forth. But you have a Bears team that has just a very disjointed roster right now. It's all all in a sort because of the offensive line shuffling due to injury. You could. Just, I don't think the Bears are going to collapse. I think they're going to fight till the end because it's the Packers. I mean. The the owners have and upper management has been famous. I mean, like um, I think there are stories about when Lovey Smith was hired, about they didn't care about the playoffs. Number one goal was beat the Packers. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to see a lot of fight. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be a total collapse.
1: So, I'm going to be. It's going to be a clinic for Rodgers. I'm going 31-17 Packers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd pro, I'd agree that the Packers are going to get at least three touchdowns, but I think two of them are going to be rushing. Because, I mean, Aaron Jones, I mean, assuming he's healthy, he can just break defenses because he's, he's so dynamic and explosive. And, like, he's running over a tackler. So I'll say Aaron Jones is going to have two touchdowns. Rogers is going to have at least one passing touchdown. They're going to add a field goal on that. So I'm going to take them 24. Gosh, it's really hard to say that the Bears are going to get an offensive touchdown, but I'm going to say that they're going to get an offensive touchdown, and it's going to be 24-13. <laughs>